just trying to remember which one. Welcome to the Shapes of Identity podcast. Tonight we're talking about icebreakers. And icebreakers and icebreakers and icebreakers. I will uh, give you a little heads up. I'm one of the haters for the evening. I just don't like icebreakers. Never have. Um, but tonight we have multiple guests. Um, we have Dr. Val Brown back in the house. And we have Heidi Carr. And then I'm going to swing it over to Justin so he can kick us off. All right, let's go. I love this. Um, the Twitter is always providing me content. Always. Always. love hating on icebreakers, which means, you know, what we have to do. Why don't you say your name and what is your favorite thing that you read this week? Heidi Carr, did you read anything this week? And you can tell a little bit about yourself too. People may not know the greatness of Heidi and how carrific she is. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. Um, I'm Heidi Carr. I live in Las Vegas, Nevada teaching Clark County School District, which is the fifth largest district in the United States. I'm also the president of Nevada Side. It's our tech organization, as well as a Nevada digital um, engineer. And what have I read this week? Um, not a book, but a lot of different news articles about what's happening around the world and locally. Love it. Love it. I, Dr. Dr. Brown, who makes my favorite soda in the world. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Val Brown. She, her, coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina, choking on grapes. Um, what have I read this week? Uh, it's still early in the week, so I can talk about last week. Last week, I... Um, I've been reading this book called Fun and How to Something Something, a really cool title that I can't remember, um, but it is an awesome book and it talks about fun. And I think it's a perfect segue into this conversation tonight because I believe wholeheartedly that we should um, engage in as much fun as possible. Did you find the title? Is that what you're looking at? I was looking at my own title, yeah. <laughs> muted myself. <laughs> Steven, you go first. What's up? What you reading? Well, um, almost finished with uh, Meaningful Physical Education. So it's that recent book that came out not too long ago. I think that was Tim Fletcher and a cohort. That's kind of about it. Kind of upset that we uh, started off with an icebreaker. That's why I hated starting, but that's why we did it. We got it right back to you. I uh, love it. So I am reading The Souls of White Jokes by Raul Perez. How racist humor fuels white supremacy. And I love it. I'm loving the book because I do a humor unit within my stress unit. And it is my favorite unit that I teach, period. It is, I, I love it. We make memes. We go over how humor impacts the body and how oxytocin's released and laughing and, and muscles. And I love it. I love humor. So this book was, yes, Dr. Brown, I see your hand raised. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I had my title officially correct. 
The Power of Fun, How to Feel Alive Again by Catherine Price. I just wanted to give a shout out to the author in the book. Thank you for melting my icebreaker with the interrupting. It's going to be more of those today. All right. So now that we're done with the with the icebreaker, first, uh, Stephen goes, well, where are we taking this today? I think we should look at icebreakers in three ways. We should look at icebreakers in professional learning, professional development, outside the district. Then we could do professional learning within the district. And then we could do, um, and even maybe specifically within your building. And then lastly, icebreakers in the classroom. So before we do that, I always like to start off with some definitions. So I am on a WM.edu. I have no idea what WM stands for, but it ends in .edu. So it has to be a reputable source. I think that's correct. <laughs> Just kidding, people I know. All right, so this says, for the definition, it tells you what an icebreaker is. Purpose is to lighten the environment. It involves an introduction of participants, requires minimal supplies and setup, and usually takes less than 10 minutes to complete. So that would be the icebreaker. And then the other term that everyone conflates with icebreakers is team builder or team building, which again, now the team building is going to be about Developing positive team dynamics can be used with an already established group where you don't need introductions, or it could be with a new group. Usually requires supplies and setup, can take longer than 20 minutes, and usually involves group reflection on the activity immediately following the activity, which I believe would be called debriefing. All right. Well, let's first turn it over to Dr. Brown, since you are like the iciest of all. <laughs> you probably hang out with Santa on the North Pole. Absolutely. Uh, talk to me here. What did you first think about the definitions? Well, to go back to our opening icebreaker, I'm so much of an icebreaker stand. I even realized we were doing icebreaker. I was like, oh, this is nice. We get to get to know one another and what we've been doing. And I totally just fell right into that. It did not feel like an icebreaker at all. And that's how big of a stand I am um, in terms of the work, because here we are talking about our learning, our positions, everything else. I would like to know something about the people who are in the room, right? And it doesn't hurt me to get to know um, what the people in the room are thinking or talking about or wondering um, and learning. And so I found that like even a really powerful way to start our conversation today. Um, and it did take less than five minutes for us to do that. Um, and hopefully we learned something in the process. So uh, when it comes to icebreakers, team builders um, and community builders, I see all of those things under the umbrella of community building, right? I think it's what we need in order to start building meaningful relationships with one another. Um, and I, I joke around a lot on Twitter because I, I guess you're a friend because you tag me into these conversations when I'm minding my own business, um, <laughs> where I, you know, you and I go back and forth with people who don't have the same appreciation for icebreakers that we do. Um, but I, but I, I jokingly call them all icebreakers because I know that it, that kind of makes people annoyed. Um, but that's not all I see them as. They are simply an entry point 
to get to know someone. And I think for someone like, and I believe you have the same situation, I have the same situation, even in the pronunciation of our names, right? It's an opportunity for me to name myself in the space where people don't know me, right? Um, I have spent far too long in my life not correcting when people mispronounce my name and because we're just like getting right into the work. And um, even icebreakers like name, name games allow us to honor ourselves and the people that we're working with to do that. So those are my initial thoughts. I'd love to hear what other people think because I am the iciest. I am, what's her name? What's the ice queen name? What's her name? Uh, Elsa. I'm Elsa. I am Elsa. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Steven, let's go to you. Since you're like the least iciest out of the group, you're hanging out with Lucifer and, you know, kicking back drinks. Just sounds like a better time. Um, I, I had to go exploring for a better definition. And I think this definition fits and well, an icebreaker is actually a ship designed to break through ice so that it or other ships coming behind can navigate on frozen seas. So what I'm thinking here is it's just all about force and just punishment the entire time. That's, that's what it feels like for an icebreaker. Wow, read that again, please, because <laughs> I saw such brilliance in that definition. Please read that again. Please read that again a ship designed to break through ice so mm -hmm. that it or other ships coming behind can navigate on frozen seas. Like, how is that not mind-blowingly brilliant right now, right? Because I think about all of the work that we have to do in schools, either um, with adults or with students, and the idea of having something that creates a path for us to move forward sounds like the smartest thing we can do to start um learning together i don't know i, I that <laughs> you sold me even more on that. Game, but it sounded to me like ice was a barrier no connection and ice breakers go and knock down those barriers to connection but anyway heidi what do we have what do you think after listening to steven's definition to me icebreakers have to have a purpose so his definition was like, woohoo, there's a purpose, right? You got to create the way you got to create that culture um, and understand each other. Um, but I also think you need to know who you're either presenting to or your students, because like, I'm not going to be teaching eighth grade and be like, okay, tell me your name and a fruit that goes with it, right? Like that's not meaningful or purposeful or I don't even want to do that at a staff development so I think you have to understand who and what icebreakers you're using otherwise it gets lost and we're all like Steve and we're like this is lame I don't know why we're even wasting five minutes of our time together Steven, I see a smile. What's going on there? I don't know. I hate that I use that definition because it sounds better than its original. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great definition. And I mean, I lean more towards the team building. Anyway, I feel like I want to do something with you, not necessarily like 
a game that you can do sitting down, something where you're moving, something where you're engaged, because you can kind of see more about the person when they are engaged in actual joy and they're like moving versus kind of like the traditional icebreakers where you're maybe moving around the classroom and getting people to sign a sheet. It's just not the same. It just seems forced, kind of like an icebreaker. <laughs> Steven, I like the way you keep going back to that. That's good. Um, I, I'm working from the assumption that you all agree with me and don't know it yet. But one thing that I want to um, wonder about out loud is, what is the harm in silliness sometimes, right? Because it seems like if they don't have a specific purpose, which I think silliness can be a purpose, we just need to get silly and lighten the mood. If they don't have a specific purpose, as I've heard the group say, what is, what is wrong with that? Like, is silly not a good enough reason to do something for five minutes? Well, I guess this goes back, and this is where I was going to go to at some point, to you are an extreme extrovert. Like, you get energy from other people. You get amped up from being around other people. You get energy from conversations. I would say for people who are not extroverts, that opening themselves up to silliness or any vulnerable position is a place of discomfort that they don't want to get to. And I'm not even going to say an introvert because introverts, it used to annoy me when people would say, well, I'm an introvert. Well, you're a teacher and you have to interact with your kids. So you, you can't use that as an excuse when you're interacting with multiple adults, multiple kids. I would say shy though, would be more appropriate for some of these or unwilling to be vulnerable. I think those people would find it very, you know, living in the land of discomfort or being uncomfortable. Heidi, what are your thoughts? I'm thinking like even ours today, like I was the one who went like, what, who read this week, right? We're only day two of the week per se. So I haven't really dove into a book, but like, we also like, if I did this with some of my kids, we have non-readers so they can't even share so then you're frozen right like I always had to think so we have to be mind that's why it has to be mindful and purposeful like I can't sit and go to staff development and if with 100 teachers right my at my school we have like 100 teachers and say hey we want you guys to introduce yourself and think of an animal that begins with your first name yeah that's silly and fun but that's not purposeful for what there's no way you're going to remember a hundred names so I think we have so that's why it depends on to me it depends on the purpose and the why so what are we doing what are we trying to get out of this and how do we want to move the ship through that um, iceberg um I have so many thoughts uh Justin to your point um, I do think vulnerability is a major reason why this might be uncomfortable for some folks. And we are asking our students to be vulnerable all the time in order to learn and learn publicly. So I think as educators, we need to embrace that vulnerability um, as models for 
the type of courage that's required to just live um, in this world. Um, I think my other wondering is, and I, I know my people don't always have it together. Um, this I know to be true, but I wonder about the assumption that the icebreakers aren't um, intentional or aren't that, that, that PD folks aren't being mindful about it. Um, in my, uh, in a position that when I worked in a school district in the professional learning office, I was tasked with, um, I was responsible for 36 schools. So I had to find my way to, to each of these schools over the course of the school year. That meant that I could go to every school once basically with PD days and everything else, right? It wasn't, I didn't have a lot of time um, with these folks. And so I, I have this one school I'm going to see once. We have to talk about something related to learning that requires vulnerability. I have 90 minutes if I'm lucky. They don't know me. I don't know them. I have to figure out a way how to quickly get to them to trust me in some way, shape, or form, right? And so I think what often gets lost in this conversation, specifically around professional learning, um, is that we are also dealing with some very strong structural barriers to doing the type of work that we want to do. Of course, we would like to spend time, you know, getting to know people authentically, but we have 90 minutes and we'll see you, see you once a year and then that's it, right? And if we don't spend the time even trying to get to know you, it's like, well, I don't know this person. Why should I learn from them? Why should I trust them? So I think, you know, in the conversation around icebreakers, we that is not always evident in, in specifically the Twitter conversations. It feels like folks think we're trying to just make their lives miserable. Like you just want to make my lives miserable for, for the first five minutes. Why I have other things to do. Thoughts? I can say that. that oh. Go for it, Steve. Oh, I was going to say it, it's about delivery too. Not everybody can pull off an icebreaker. How many times you've been in PDs where somebody tries it and disaster you just ruined the entire pd right there so there's always that flip side and i've been on both ends like i'm sure there's been a p like a pd where i've had a mini icebreaker a little intro activity that didn't hit for some group they just never said anything but old balance you know it happens i i have to agree i think that it needs to be mindful um and then it just dawned on me i'm teaching a college course in my free time and they have to do um an identity slide so we know who they are so i shared mine um and i know we've done that at our state conference as well so some people are going to view that as an icebreaker like who are you but to me, that's meaningful. There's purpose. So I know who's in the room, who's with me. Um, and I think that could be an easy way for our professional learning leaders to do, right? Even our admin, um, even our teachers, especially at the secondary level, um, you could ask. And that will help you understand your children, your family dynamics. Um, it tells us a lot and it, it's quick or the I am poem, either one, it's quick, easy. <laughs> uh, 
So for the identity, I love it. I do you know, identity health, one of my favorite things to actually learn about people. As an icebreaker, when you do that, have you ever done the, the identity for a group of adults? I wonder if, you know, how many people are comfortable even naming their identities. Like you remember um, in the one podcast, we had the Hispanic woman who doesn't even like to name being Hispanic. So I would find that interesting. So I guess for me, when thinking about professional learning, it's easy to be vulnerable in the classroom for me personally. It's easy to be vulnerable in professional learning outside the district because I'm probably not gonna see those people again or whatever, if they judge me, they're smart enough not to let me know. I think in the district, that's where it becomes a little more difficult, specifically in your building. And I always go back to the idea of, if you don't have icebreakers, how are you going to get to know people who you've never interacted with before or are not going to interact with during the year? Like I may never interact with an OT or a PT or someone in speech the entire year. Like there may just, no, so for me, that's why I like icebreakers because it provides me uh, an opportunity to mix and interact with people. And I think that's where team builders could come in as well. And people are going to say, well, you know, well, you could set up team building exercises. But for me, that icebreaker sets the tone right away. And I guess that's getting back to what Steven's talking about, where you could set a really bad tone or a really, really good tone. Those are my initial thoughts. Another idea I was looking at or thinking about if icebreak, icebreakers can be done in a way where people just become advertisements for themselves. So that's not even the purpose of really breaking ice. Give me an example. What would that look like? Well, depending on your icebreaker questions, a lot of times they'll do the, how many years have you been a teacher? And they'll go, or years of education. And then people pull all these like hierarchy games on it. And then it comes this next level social hierarchy game. So that's another reason why I hate it. Um, Cause I don't like talking about myself personally mm. for many reasons. So when it's that environment, do you really want to be a part of that? Mm. Um, I think like, uh, any position in our profession, um, we need to continue to work on our skill level in our specific area. Right. And we all know people in our content areas who you're like, eh, you're not actually the best at this. And you know, people who are, who are better at it. And I think what, um, doesn't happen enough just in, um, just in, I mean, like there's organizations and things, but what doesn't happen enough are conversations with other PD folks. I was lucky enough to have lots of opportunities to do professional learning around, around professional learning. And so when you all are, are talking about your experiences, um, I'm sad for you because of the facilitators that you had that just couldn't really think outside of the box, right? And so Heidi, to your point that you were making earlier about the student that um, who's a, a non-reader, right? Knowing the student's 
in your audience, knowing the audience is important if you're going to have like these really meaningful things. And Steven, to your point, I think when people don't, they go for the, the lightweight ones. But I believe that you can introduce yourself and talk about a really meaningful quote that centers the day. And that's an icebreaker, right? Like that is an example of something like, here's a quote that centers us today. I'm Val. This is how I feel about this quote. So it's not necessarily just talking about myself, but it's sharing with others, like my position about something. And so, you know, more about me going into it. And unfortunately, it sounds like the facilitators that you all have had the most experience with just weren't skilled in that area enough. And I think um, I think it's something that we should continue to talk about for sure. And I loved what Stephen said and you said as well, Dr. Brown, um, because depending how long you've been on Twitter, who you're following, like Stephen said, like some just like to sell, like I've done a podcast, I've written a book, I have this many years, you could have 20 years and that first year teacher could teach you a lot but when you say I have 20 years I've written a book I've done a podcast or or this or that that's kind of intimidated like oh I don't don't have anything to bring to this table so I think that's why I always say purposeful like what's the point because like Stephen we don't want to shut anyone out of because we're all on this team we're all on this journey together how all of our journeys are looking differently, but we're there to support each other. But when we start competing and throwing each other out, what some people will view, we're just, you know, then we shut our other colleagues down and then they're, they don't want to ask for help. They become mindful of, am I doing something wrong? Am I don't feel welcomed? And the whole point of icebreakers is to make everyone welcomed and feel like they belong to the community or their training that they're attending. Yeah, my favorite icebreaker is when I ask, you know, the um, adults, what's their favorite Barry Manilow song and why? Because I mean, everyone can connect with that. But now actually what I'm thinking of is my students and the icebreaker I do that has the greatest impact is Never have I ever. It is by far my favorite icebreaker. And it is one that my students go back to. They asked me to do this. So the first day of sixth grade uh, health, the whatever, you know, I cycled through uh, so many times, can't even remember. But I ask the, the never have I ever questions. And I specifically stagger them in a way that goes from like silly to serious I try to bring in um, identity in some ways during it so I can gauge from the students' answers where I want to go and how comfortable we are. But never have I ever, to me, is the ultimate icebreaker because the facilitator has full control and I almost feel like I'm playing an instrument based on their reactions and where am I going to go. So one of the questions I always use is never have I ever peed in the pool, right? And I love that one. I know people are going to say, well, some kids have never gone in a pool. Well, they just go to the never side, right? You're good. By default, you're a great human being and all the other ones. And I talk about that as well, not being judgmental. And I ask if they want to share out. So you get all those shares, but then you can hit up like, 
vacations, where have you vacationed? Now I'm getting a little socioeconomic status idea. You, you could go by food questions, which to me, everything involves food. So that's why for, for in the classroom, that is my favorite icebreaker. Stephen, what, what did you do? Did you do any icebreakers in your class? I mean, you also have to look at a lot of the times that I had students, it was in rotation from like quarters a semester. So a lot of times they are, you were going through that with other teachers, but they've already had me in the past. So usually I wouldn't go into that. I'd just jump into something else. So traditional icebreakers, no. Outside of just like check-ins, which are kind of icebreakers, but not really. Or maybe I just don't qualify as an icebreaker because I didn't feel like they were as lame as some of the other ones that I've been through. So maybe it's just me Stephen, separating I've, from it completely. I think you're saying <laughs> the definition should add lame to the icebreaker, like the word lame should be added to icebreakers in the definition. I think that's what I'm hearing. I might have to message <laughs> Webster's or whoever wrote the original definition. Heidi, what was your favorite in class? I know you talked about the I am poems. What else you got? Um, so this year, which is funny, I wish I would have never have I ever. That was a great one. Um, I covered a few days of health as school got started. So I like music and teenagers typically love music. So I had them tell me a song that reflects them or keeps them motivated or something. So they gave me a song and then um, I put a Spotify playlist together as long as I could find the clean version of the song. So it was fun listening. Some of them would be like, is it okay if my song has no lyrics? Absolutely. It's still a song that just because there's no words, it's still a song. So it was fun to see. And then also let me know their some of their maturity levels because when you're giving me like video game songs as your favorite one then yeah you're a gamer but you also don't listen or I could tell if you're like a Christian family or you're into because some songs um, the words are nowadays are very interesting compared to when I was younger so and it's fun to see when they listen to old school rap right and then they had to tell me why they got to justify why and how that relates to them so that helps me as well get to know them and then I could share it out this class these classes I told them I wouldn't share so they could dive um, deeper because they did ask they're like is my classmates going to share my ex see my explanation and I told them no so that told me they wanted to share with me but they needed that safe zone and they were eighth graders so again that purpose right you had the purpose with never have i ever i listened to the kids but that was my icebreaker but now they have that spotify playlist so they get to hear each other's music whether they like the song or i like the song we listen through it all the way through class it seems very andy milnish i know he's a big shared spotify guy i feel like he would if we interviewed him he would have a lot of these icebreakers so Val, do you have any icebreakers for us? And you can take us from professional learning or your classroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I enjoyed listening to what you all shared and I'm thinking about how another purpose of icebreakers um, is for teachers to learn about the students, which you, you all shared examples of that. 
And I think it's also important for them to learn about each other. I was, um, I was observing a class once and the kids were doing like an inside outside circle and then they were doing some talking. And once you got to your new partner, you had to, um, say your name. And so one kid, you know, she said her name and she was like, um, I know your name. We were in class all last year together. And like the curl had never talked to her in the previous year. Right. So how are you in class with a student for a whole year and not talk to them, not even remember that they were there. Um, and I think that speaks to the importance of the kids getting to know each other as well. Um, as a classroom teacher, I suspended all content the first week of school. We did all icebreakers and team builders. We did absolutely no content. And, um, one thing that we always did by the end of that first week is each class had decided they had gone through a long process of voting on their team team name. And um, one particular group, they named their uh, they named their class, that seventh period class, the first name, last name, fan club. I'm not going to say the student's name, but it was like Val Brown Fan Club. And every year, I mean, every day I was like, hey, Val Brown Fan Club. And they would reply with their cheer that they made up during this week. Um, but what I learned in open house, I was like, who's, who's the mom of this kid that we named it after? And she said, I was just like, uh, she came to me after open house. She's like, thank you so much. You know, my kid had been going through a lot and it really boosted his confidence that his teammates, his classmates decided to name the class after him. Right. And so I think that type of care and love and intentionality, as you all have talked about over and over again, is important. Um, and it's absolutely worth the time that it takes to build those relationships among students. Cool. So I hear that word love. You know, whenever I hear love, uh, Stephen, I see your finger. Go ahead, Stephen. I was going to say, I think we just have to come to the conclusion that icebreakers needs to just be removed from the language because everything's about warmth and joy. Ice uh, melters. Ice melters. Do you, would that you feel better? Would that feel better? Yeah. I don't know. Let's go. I, I mean, like we just did that tonight. I smell no, it. I, I think we we're on to something because again, I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll throw a little credit towards uh, Dr. Emden because he did use a similar term. So I will throw that out there. I, I just can't remember what it is. It's something along. But isn't that the point of the icebreaker, right? Is to create connections in the room to create yeah. love. Yeah. So but you know what I'm saying with the breaking, like you're severing, it's forceful, it's cold. I get you. So I guess the question is there's going to be, I don't know, a third of the people that are going to love it, right? They want to get up, they want to interact. A third of the people are going to be like, ah, whatever, I'll do it because I'm here. I don't, I don't like it. I don't hate it. I'm just going to do it. And then maybe a third of the people are going to hate it. So I guess the question is, for the people that don't like icebreakers, they're uncomfortable talking to people they don't know. They don't want to talk to people they don't know. They're just, it's not their thing, right? But yet, don't we want to create human connections? And sitting next to someone and not interacting with them is not a human connection. So I guess the question for me, and that's really what I want, and I tell the kids, in my class, I go, listen, we are sharing time and space, right? We are first period, you know, whatever, Miss Smith, you know, semester one, whatever it is, 
you're going to create this community. It is a special community that's not replicated or duplicated anywhere else. So if we take that idea and put it even to professional learning in our district or outside, how do we create spaces where we're sharing? We're actually sharing time and space without coexisting in those time and spaces. And then if you wanna get deeper, how are we creating bonds of love for people? Can, and can we do that if we have no idea who they are and what they're about? So maybe that's where people who don't like icebreakers may be different than the ones who do, I don't know. But for me, it's like, how can we create a bond? How can we create meaningful shared experiences in an hour and a half that I may not see you for another year? Or I may never see you again. I mean, I can tell you how many PDs I've led at ed camps and districts and everything else where I will never see those people again. I don't know, you know anything. And how do we create times where we can share those experiences in a positive way if we don't do icebreakers? Well, when, when I think of school, I think of school culture, right? So you could tell the schools that have really worked to get to know their staff and their staff. It's not always this, it's not always Heidi Carr speaking up and being the voice for everyone, right? It's everyone has their voice, everyone's sharing, you're giving that thought time. And I think that goes back to your school culture, which is why you have to incorporate um, and make it meaningful for those teachers that may be uncomfortable. Um, so this summer, I went to a school district and did some PD, and I did the song thing. But since they were adults, I didn't edit any of their music out. But it was funny. Even when the people older than me were like, oh, my gosh, that's my song. And then they're like, talk about it, right? So like once you start finding commonalities in and I was there for three days and we had that playlist anytime they're working when they came in the room. So I think you have to know your audience. You got to know your staff. And then what I love when you're outside of your district, like it's even more meaningful. And maybe it's like networking if people want to view it that way. Right. Like as you expand and go outside your school or district to PD opportunities, that allows you to collaborate. That allows those walls to come down. And if you don't allow those walls to come down, I don't want to say stagnant, but in a sense, you become stagnant because you're not allowing yourself to grow and become better because I would have never met the three of you, um, Steve, that tonight's the first night, but I know Dr. Brown, I know Justin, but if it wasn't for me, you know, going and being in different spaces, I would never have had tonight's opportunity, yet alone being able to learn and to grow, to be a better educator for my students as well as teachers. I'm just feeling agreed with right now. <laughs> Steven? Hey, like I said, it's just the, uh, we'll say the semantics of it. <laughs> because a majority of my classes were about attempting to find joy and connection with people. So, I mean, if you're just doing it, and you don't like what it's called, I guess you could always change it. No, and I, I will definitely, again, implore my um, 
professional learning colleagues to, to think differently about them if they only feel like it's about a bingo card or, you know, something else like that. There's lots of ways that we can make meaningful connections and connect it to the content relatively quickly. Um, and just being open to exploring those and not getting caught in the, the traditional ones that really um, have gotten a bad rap. Um, and then continue to advocate for more time to do this type of work, right? If we, if we have all named here that those types of connections are important, how do we structure our school days? How do we structure our professional learning so that we do have time for these meaningful connections that last long after whatever was at the conference, right? Or whatever the, the topic was that first time that we met. I don't know if there's anything else to say. Stephen, do you have anything to say? I think Val summed that up really, really well. I would say, I don't care what you call it. Right? How, how yeah. are we knocking down those walls so that we can create authentic, vulnerable relationships? And I mean, if, I don't know anywhere where that's not needed in any position, whether you're admin, teaching, whatever it is at a school. And I think that's a wrap. All right. Thank that's you all for listening. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you, Dr. Brown, for showing up. Listener, if you're still here, thank you. We appreciate y'all. Let us know what you think, peoples. Thank you. Thank you.